Good evening, everybody. I want to thank you all so much for joining me for Despotor tonight. I, tonight's going to be a very exciting study, and I'm so glad that you've tuned in tonight. Tonight's service is, is entitled "Never Settle for Less," and tonight we're gonna we, we are gonna continue in our series in the Scroll of Ruth, Megillat Ruth, and you can watch. And this is the fourth teaching in this series. Uh, you can watch this teaching as a standalone, or you can watch the previous. Uh, they were all recorded and posted online, so you can catch the last three teachings. The uh, uh, first one was called Under the Wings of the Divine Presence. Then the second part was called The Path to Greatness. And the third one that we taught two weeks ago was Meaningful Connection. And this week, we are in the fourth class in the series on Ruth, and I've entitled tonight's service, Never Settle for Less. And I want you to know that you can watch these teachings uh, through several different platforms. You can watch on, face on Facebook, just go to the Destined for Torah channel, where you are right now. You can go on YouTube, go to Destined for Torah. And you can watch on your favorite pod podcast platform, Apple, Google, Spotify, and many, many others. So, and so I just, I just want you all to be aware of that. And I, I just pray that these teachings are blessing you. I, 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 ho I hope you're enjoying these and I hope you're just growing leaps and bounds in God. And I'm so encouraged and so blessed that you're, that you, that you're so faithful to join me um, uh, every week in these services. Amen. And so, um, if you do enjoy these teachings, I do encourage you to, to subscribe, to share, to like, and to comment on these posts, and, uh, and, and you know, just help us to get the word out. So, again, tonight's teaching is called Never Settle for Less. That's the theme for tonight's service. And we're going to look, you know, Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham, he settled for less when he abandoned his uncle Abraham. Orpah settle for less when she abandoned her mother-in-law Naomi. But tonight I'm going to show you the keys to to never settling for less and to go all the way with God. Abraham and Ruth never settled for less, and their reward for never settling for less was Malkut. Malkut is the Hebrew word for kingship in in and God has a kingly inheritance in store for you. Amen. So God wants to take your gifts to the highest level. He wants to take your gifts to the level of Malkut, and that's the highest level in the anointing. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to attend Never Settle for Less. Your next stop, the Destined for Torah Zone. Let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just invite you to take over this meeting tonight. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit will just minister to all the saints that are watching tonight, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray that the anointing will fall upon, uh, upon your people. I pray the anointing will fall upon your word. Lord, I pray that I will not be seen here tonight. And I pray that only the precious name of Jesus, the holy name of Jesus, will be magnified tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And again, I pray that we will not, not any one of us tonight will never settle for less. And saints of God, I want you to, to know that your calling in Christ Jesus is so awesome. And I want you to know, I, want, I don't want you to see yourselves as being in, insignificant. I want you to know that you're wonderfully and beautifully made. I want you to know that God has a great calling on your life. And I encourage all of you just to, just to allow the Spirit of God to move in you the way He chooses. See, we are in a period of time, so it's a period of transition. It's a period of time between Passover and Shavuot, between Passover and Pentecost. And during these 49 days, 
are 49 days where the Spirit of God is working within each and every one of us. Amen? And myself included. And he's, he's refining our character. He's refining us and perfecting, uh, perfecting us so that we may so that we may be anointed, so that we may receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that we may come into a new dimension in God's glory. See, our move with God is never stagnant. We're never stagnant in the things of God. In fact, it's just the opposite. We're always, we're always pro propelled and challenged to move forward in the things of God. And during this season, God gave us these 49 days as a gift to prepare us for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, as many of you have heard me say over and over again, that there are 50 days counting from the day that the Jews left Egypt. And then to the day in which they received the Torah was a total of 50 days. And the days in between those 49 days were 49 days of preparation for the 50th day. Jesus was crucified during the Feast of Passover. He rose from the dead on the third day. And then he walked upon the earth for 40 days. And then he ascended to heaven on the day that we call Ascension Sunday. And the 120 assembled in the upper room for 10 days. And that, that la and so 40 plus 10 is 50, another 50. And on that 50th day, the church of Jesus was born in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And years uh, earlier, what took place when the Jews left Egypt, counting the 50th day, the Jews received the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, and on that very day, the nation of Israel was born. And both of these events took place on the 50th day. And you are being prepared for the 50th day. You are being prepared to receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that your hearts will burn within you and that you will realize that God has something great in store for you. And I want all of you just to expect the Spirit of God to move in you. And not one of you is going to miss the mark. Every one of you is going is, is gonna to hit that mark and you are going to step into a new level of destiny and move into the things that God has for you. Amen? So uh, first I'm going to talk about Mark and how Mark almost missed the mark. Let's look at Acts chapter 12, verse 25. Again, that's Acts 12, 25. And it reads, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So we see Mark accompanying Barnabas and Saul on, 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 on their journey. And then if we move ahead to Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 39, and it reads, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and were not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. See, what I want you to see here is that Mark started off with Barnabas and Saul, and Saul was, is, was the name of Paul the Apostle before the conversion took place. So, he, so Mark started out with Barnabas and Saul, or Barnabas and, and Paul. 
And then later on, as we see in Mark 15, something took place and Mark missed the mark. And he, he abandoned Paul. And because of that, Paul was not willing to take him along on, a, on, a, on another missionary journey. But then look what takes pl place in 2 Timothy 4.11. And it reads, only Luke, with, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And what we see here with Mark is, even though Mark missed it, he was restored. And, and, he, and uh, there must have been a repentance that took place. And we see Mark returning back into the ministry and how Paul accepted Mark. And even with all of us, there are times that we may miss the mark. There are times that we, we may miss the calling. There are times that we may be reluctant to obey God. Maybe the Spirit of God has called you to go up on, a mission, on the mission field and, and you've refused it. I want you to know that there, there is time for repentance and there's time to turn around and there's time to seek God with, with your entire being and return back to the path and the calling that God has called you into. Because during these 49 days, God is fixing all of our, all of our paths. God is bringing us into his ways and he's going to bring us into his perfect will. Amen. So I encourage all of you be I encourage all of you to be open to that because God's calling on your life is without repentance and God has a high calling for each and every one of you. So we see how Mark initially missed it, but we but we see him being restored. Now let's look at Orpah, which we started who we started about over the last few weeks. Orpah who was the sister of Ruth, and Orpah missed the mark when she settled for less. See, whenever whenever you settle for less, you miss the mark. And many of us see ourselves as being less than what God sees us. See, God sees you with tremendous potential. God sees you as a person that is created in his image. And God has a plan for each and every one of you, regardless of, of how young or how old you are, there is a mighty call of God upon your life. And I just encourage all of you that no, no matter how far you may, have, you may feel that you've missed it, that you may have missed the mark, I want you to know that God is a merciful God and the Lord God will restore you. Amen. So I encourage you to be open to his restoration and, and reparation. And often what takes place is after your repentance, the place that God brings you into is even greater than what your initial potential was. Because it's, it's, it's like, because God so honors repentance and the blessings for repentance are so awesome that you will, you will be propelled to even greater levels in, in God's glory. Amen. And let's look at Ruth chapter one, verse 14. And it reads, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. In the, uh, over the last few weeks, we talked about Ruth cleaving and how steadfast Ruth was. But Orpah, in contrast, uh, when she saw that there was nothing in it for her, she, she turned her back upon Naomi. And the name Orpah does mean the back of the neck. And she turned her back upon Naomi. And because she turned her back, she missed her mark and she missed, uh, she missed a tremendous calling that she had in God. She, she had walked for 10 years with Ruth. She had learned about hesed. She had learned about kindness. She had learned about, about the faith. But after 10 years, 
when she saw there was nothing in it for her, her husband was dead, um, her mother-in-law was returning back to Jerusalem, she saw that there was nothing in it for her and she returned back to Moab. And some terrible things happened to Orpah when she returned because she missed the mark. I'm not going to talk about what the rabbis say in detail about the things that happened to her, but one thing I will tell you is that the, the, the rabbis teach us that Orpah be, uh, became the ancestor of Goliath. And Ruth, her sister, as we all know, became the ancestor of the great-grandmother of King David. So when the battle took place between David and Goliath, in a sense, it was a battle taking place between two cousins. Now let's talk about Lot for a second. Lot was the nephew of Abraham, and Lot is also an ancestor of, 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 the, of the Moabite nation. So uh, both Orpah and Ruth were descendants of Lot. And Lot was a descendant of, of um, I'm, sorry, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Ruth and Orpah were descendants of Lot, and Lot was the nephew of Abraham. Now, if you can see on the calendar, on the invite I sent out, there's a, gene there's a genealogy screenshot, so I encourage you just to you know, download that and take a look at it, because we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna actually teach from that in just a moment. But let's talk about Lot for a second. Lot was the nephew of Abraham. And after Haran died, Ab uh, Haran was Abraham's brother, um, Abraham took Lot with him. And Lot spent time with, 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 with Abraham spent time with Lot. And let's turn to Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 through 11. And it reads, And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled there then in the land. And Abram said, said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and you, and between my herdmen and your herd, herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate yourself, I pray thee, from me. If you will take the left hand, then I will take the right. If you depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes. And this is where Lot stepped into, into tremendous error. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar, then Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. See, Lot is acting very much like his descendant Orpah. When, and Lot, what Lot should have done is repented for his wickedness. And I'm not going to talk in detail about what Lot's sin was, but in, 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 to summarize, Lot's sin was his, his greed. And his attitude was, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine as well. And Lot was so wicked that he would not pay 
to, to, to he would not pay the Canaanite and the Perizzite when, when, when his flock were grazing on land that did not belong to them. And that was a, that was a tremendous error on Lot's part. And that was part that was the main issue between Lot and Abram because Abram had his flock muzzled so they would not eat of the grant they would not eat of the land that did not belong to them. Whereas Lot all he, uh, Lot didn't care and he was trespassing on land that did not belong to him and he was allowing his cattle to graze upon land, on, on that land and that was a tremendous wickedness and it was it was destroying Abraham's name and especially it was destroying the name of the Lord because because when you walk with God you are expected to walk with godly character traits and one of those character traits is the trait of 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 hesed of selfless loving kindness also in the trait of honesty and, and, and not stealing and on and on and, and, and Lot did not demonstrate those godly character traits. And the, and, the, and the contention was so strong that Abram had to separate himself from Lot because Abram could not dwell with that form of wickedness. And Lot should have repented. I'm, and I'm sure Abram would have taken him back. But Lot did not repent. He, he gave himself over to his own wickedness. And what did he look to? He looked towards the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. Even Elimelech, years later, Elimelech was looking to the land of, of, of Moab and not, look, not looking out for his people. So, my, and Abram's father, who, whom we will study about in a moment, also missed the mark. And in this teaching, my prayer is that, you will, that not any one of you will miss the mark. Philippians 3.14 says, I press forward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we're pressing forward, what we're pressing forward to the mark. Amen. That that we are going to receive the prize. That we are we are going to when we appear before Christ Jesus, he's going to say to us, "Well done, my good and faithful servant." So I encourage every one of you to to stay steadfast in the things of God. Don't be shaken by coronavirus. Don't be shaken by the plagues that are taking place in the in the earth. Don't be shaken by what's going on in the world. But keep your eyes upon Jesus, because Jesus is the ultimate prize. Amen. And because because I'm telling you that there is tremendous reward for those that walk in Hesed. Tremendous rewards for those that that are not given over to strife, to greed, to selfishness, to building their own name. But for those that are steadfast in building God's name in the earth, you are going to attain the mark for the prize of the high calling that you have in Christ Jesus. Amen? And what are the rewards for selflessness? What are the rewards for, for walking with God? Well, the reward given to Abraham and Ruth were the same rewards. And, and, and their reward was, kings will come from you. Now, I'm not going to say that kings are going to come from any one of us, but you are going to come into a form of kingliness. You are going to come into Malchus. And Malchus is, is your highest calling in Christ Jesus. See, Malchut means that you take any gift that God has given you and you take it to the highest level. You take it to the pinnacle of perfection. For example, if you're called to walk in the gift of prophecy, you don't just walk in drops of the gift of prophecy, but you take the level of that gift all the way to the office of prophets. 
that you take whatever God has given you and you take it to the pinnacle of perfection. If God has called you to win souls and, and, and convert souls to, to Christ Jesus, you don't only convert a few souls, but you take it to the highest level to where you, that gift in you is perfected and you walk in, in, in the highest degree. Amen? If your calling is to, is, to, is to take care of orphans, you may start off supporting one orphan, but the day may come where you're taking care of tens, maybe even hundreds of orphans. But take whatever gift God has given you and take it to the highest level of perfection. That can be in ministerial gifts. It can be in, in, in evangelization. It could be in prophesying, in teaching, in, past, in pastoring. It could be in, in writing. It could be in, 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 the, in, in the business world. Wherever God has placed you, you take those gifts that, that God has given you and take them to the level of Malkut. You take them to the highest level. And what, what was God's promise to Abraham? Let, let's look at Genesis chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. And it says, Neither shall your name any more be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you, and I will make you exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come out of thee. See, that was the promise to Abraham, that kings will come of thee. Now, through Abraham came many kings, even through um, his, his, his son Ishmael. And the kings that God is speaking about here is the kings that were going to come forth through the union between Sarai and Abram, between Abraham and Sarah, which were the, their names after, after, afterward. And God promised kings, but how can Abram and Sarah um, birth kings when Sarah was barren? And that's the question we're going to look at tonight as well. But the promise for Hesed, the promise for selflessness, the promise to follow God no matter what, the, uh, and, and when you choose to walk with God and you choose to make His name great, not make your own name great, but when you choose to make God's name great, that will bring you into the level of Malkut, the level of kingship. And God brought Abraham's level to the level of kingship. And, and in fact, literal, literally, kings came forth through Abraham and Sarah. And in fact, King David came forth. And even King Saul uh, uh, came forth. Now let's look at Ruth chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. What was the blessing that came to Ruth? as a result of, of her obedience and through her selflessness and through her hesed. And Ruth chapter 4, starting in verse 10, reads, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from, from among his brethren and from the gate of his palace. You are witnesses this day, and all the people that were at the gate. And the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into your house, like Rachel and like Leah, which did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrath, and be famous in Bethlehem, and let your house be like the house of Pharaoh, whom Tamar bore unto Judah of the seed which the Lord gave thee of this young woman. And what the promise given here is, is, is that 
because of Ruth's selflessness and because of Boaz's selflessness, that and and and, and through that marriage and that union, what came forth were kings, and Ruth and Boaz became the great grandparents of King David, who be, who became the second king over Israel. So literally, kings to, uh, came forth. And the promise was made to Abraham and Sarah that kings will come forth through them. And, and we, we, we see King Saul, we see King David, and all the kings of Israel come forth. And we see here in Ruth chapter 4, because of Ruth and Boaz's character, kings came forth. Do you, do you all see that? See, th there are tremendous rewards for selfless loving kindness. And the greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward. And Abraham did not step out on this journey because he, he was expecting a reward for himself. In fact, he was looking for a reward for somebody else. And Ruth was not concerned about herself. All she cared about was, was, was protecting her mother-in-law, Naomi, from, from, from being dis disrespected. And when she, when she propositioned Boaz to marry her, it wasn't about her. It wasn't about her desire for marriage. It was about restoring the honor to, 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 to the bloodline of, of, of her husband, Malon, and, and, and her, and her father-in-law, Elimelech, to restore, uh, to, to restore their name. And, and I, I want you all to see that, because uh, what, what we're going to study about here is what we call a leveret marriage. And a leveret marriage is, a, is something that was practiced in, in Israel, and it was, it was commanded in, 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 the, in, the, in the Torah, and the commandment is that if, 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 if your brother dies, leaving his wife without a child, then it's the brother's responsibility to, 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 to marry the widow and raise up seed in the deceased brother's name. So it's done to build the name of the brother and not your own name. Do you all see that? This is a very foreign concept to us, and it's not something that's practiced today. But I want you to see the selflessness in this activity because it is the most one of the most selfless acts you can perform when you're raising up somebody else's dignity, when you're raising up somebody else's honor, when you're building up somebody else's legacy, and, and sacrificing your own legacy for somebody else's benefit. And and one of the great one of the greatest forms of of Hesed is when you is when you bury the dead because the dead cannot repay you for the kindness of burying them. Do you all see that? So let's go ahead and continue here, and I'm going to talk to you about the connection between Hesed and Malkut, the connection between Hesed, which is loving kindness, and Malkut, which is kingliness or kingship. See, there is no kingliness, there is no kingship, there is no Malkut without Hesed, without selfless loving kindness. Amen? And so let's talk about, uh, before we can even talk about the Hesed and the Malkut, we need to talk about the famine. So let's go ahead and talk about the famine for a moment. Let's turn to Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you today, but I pray the Spirit of God Will, will minister to you and quicken his word to you. I'm not going to teach every part of every verse that I read, but I'm going to highlight certain components uh, to, 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 help you, to help you really grasp how not to miss the mark. 
and I'm gonna I'll, I've been giving you examples of those that that passed it that made that hit the mark and those that missed the mark amen because we can learn just as much about uh, about uh, about this concept through those that missed the mark so let's look at Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land so first thing I want you to see here there's a famine and I'm going to ask you a question. Why was there a famine? Well, last time I shared with you that the time of the judges, which is much of the book of Judges, took place over a 350-year period. And even the book of Ruth takes place during, during the period of the judges. And the Israelites had made a tremendous er error Three, uh, you know, years earlier, when Joshua died, the Israelites were so busy in their own activities and working their own land and tilling their own land and really taking care of the inheritance that they had received through Joshua, who was the second leader of Israel, the leader after Moses. The Israelites were not even involved in the burial of their leader, Joshua, because they were so busy taking care of their own stuff. And, and the, some of the rabbis teach that God wanted to, to destroy everything because of this. And this generation became a generation of emptiness. It, in a sense, it became a generation of tohu and bohu. And, the, and as I shared with you, the, the ultimate hesed is to provide a burial for, for the deceased. Well, guess what? The Israelites were so occupied with their own business that they were not even given honor and uh, to to Joshua that they did not they did not even give him the the proper respect by providing a proper burial and and I mean can you imagine the dis, the disrespect imagine the lack of gratitude here is Joshua the second leader of Israel and and who led Israel into the promised land and who helped Israel conquer the promised land and who divided the inheritance among the tribes and that these tribes were so ungrateful that they were not involved in burying Joshua in the proper manner. Because they were so concerned about their own land. It was all about me. And after all the great things that Joshua did for the people, it, it, it didn't really mean anything. And they did not provide the proper respect. And I encourage all of you, you know, to, to not be so consumed with your own stuff. That you that you forget about giving honor to those that to to uh, where you don't give honor to whom honor is due, and that you are so consumed with your work, you're so consumed with with everything else that you forget about what what's that what, what's also very important. And the Israelites Israelites did not give honor to Joshua, and that's one of the reasons why the famine took place, is because there was there there there, there was a famine. Not only was there a spiritual famine, as we shared a few weeks ago, there was also a, a, a famine in godly character traits. And hesed was not being practiced because the greatest form of hesed is to bury the dead. And they were not involved and their hearts were not engaged in burying the dead. And it's like, it's like they forgot everything that Joshua had done for them. And that's really the background of Sefer Ruth, the book of Ruth, is, is the lack of hesed. 
And that's why we see Ruth and Boaz really shine because of their tremendous engagement in Hesed. And, and, their, and, and, the, and the ancestor of the Jewish people being Abraham was so concerned about Hesed. And Ruth, the Moabitess, was so concerned about burying the dead. I mean, and so concerned about performing Hesed. And so let's go back to Ruth chapter 1, and, I, and I, um, where I'll continue on from where I left off. And it reads, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of the, his two sons, Malon and Kilion. And so they came to Moab during a time of famine and during a time when his people really needed him. He, he abandoned his people. And Elimelech being a judge was judged quite severely be, because of the great responsibility given to him by God. And he missed the bar, mark by rejecting that responsibility. And he, he fled to Moab and only took his immediate family with him. Now, one thing I want you to know about Elimelech, the name Elimelech means let kingship, come, let kingship come to me. And in Hebrew, every name has prophetic significance. Even the name of, a, of an object, the name of an animal, the name of a person, the name that's given to anything or anyone has prophetic significance. And the name Elimelech again means let kingship come to me. And what I want you to see here that within Elimelech's DNA was kingship. And Elimelech was of the tribe of Judah, the tribe that was prophesied to, to bear kings through, through, through Pharaoh. Through that bloodline, through, uh, starting with, with Judah, through Pharaoh and, and, uh, and so on, that bloodline was to, was to carry the kings. And David came through that bloodline. Solomon came through that bloodline. Boaz came through that bloodline. Elimelech came through that bloodline. So Elimelech was called to rule. But when, he, when he, but when he fled his responsibility, when he rejected his responsibility, he was judged severely when he fled Bethlehem. And right when they arrived in, in Moab and settled, God struck him dead. That was his judgment. And he had two sons, the first one being Malon, who was the husband of Ruth. Malon's name means sickness and disease. And his second son, Kilion, his name means destruction or complete annihilation. Now, how many of you would name your children sickness and destruction or disease and annihilation? Not any one of you did, would. And I'm sure Elimelech did not give his kids those names. But the, the author of the book of Ruth, who's also the author of Judges, and he's also the author of much of 1 Samuel, is the prophet Samuel. And what, what the prophet Samuel is teaching us is, is that their, their names signify, signify the spiritual condition of the, of, of the, of the family, of, especially of Elimelech, Malon, and Kilion, that, that they, that that whenever you walk away from God's will, whenever you, whenever you walk away from hesed, whenever you do the very opposite and just be, walk in selfishness, where you're only concerned about yourself, 
then you open the door for Melon and Kilion in your own life. And, that's, and that is the recipe for disaster. That is the recipe for sickness, for disease, for destruction and, and annihilation. And, and, and what the book of Ruth is teaching us through the prophet Samuel is that that is not the path that we should choose. We should choose the path of Hesed because the path of Hesed is the path that will produce kingship. Amen. And God is, is going to produce kingship in your lives as well. Now, one thing that what Elimelech did is what we see here is that Elimelech went down to the country of Moab and continued there. And what we learn from the end of this verse of Ruth chapter one, I'm sorry, Ruth chapter one, verse two, and they came to the country of Moab and continued there. And what we learn here is that Elimelech had no plans to return back to Bethlehem, Judah. He had no plans just to spend the time of famine within Moab, then return after the in the famine. In fact, he 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 chose to remain there. And then what we see in the next verse is that he was he was struck dead. And then Malon and Kilion continued on in their father's sin, and they remained in Moab for another 10 years. So God gave them 10 more years to repent, but they chose to stay in Moab because they loved it in Moab and God struck them dead as well. So they did not even repent after their father Elimelech was struck dead by God. And see, and, and, and God is so merciful. He gave them so much time to repent and return, but they chose not to return. They were given over to their own selfishness. And in fact, um, Kilion and Malon became very successful in Moab. See, these, these two men were Israelite uh, uh, royalty. They were royalty from Israel. And, and as I shared with you in, in a prior teaching, royalty is not gonna, it will typically not marry non-royalty, but a royal family will marry into another royal family. And so what Malon and Kilion did is they, they, they married Ruth, they married into Moabite royalty, and, and May, um, Malon and Kilion married Ruth and, and Orpha, Orpa, who were daughters of King Eglon. So the two princes from Israel married the two princesses from Moab. Do you all see that? And so that's some of, that's some of the background here in, in the book of Ruth. And we see, we see selfishness, we see sickness, disease, we see destruction, and we see complete annihilation. Now, the word of God is prophetic, is pertinent to our lives today. When we read God's word, we're not just reading history that took place thousands of years ago. But what we are reading is a prophetic message and God is speaking into our lives today. God is speaking into our generation. God is speaking to each and every one of you individually as well. Amen. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and reveal to you the areas in your life that may not be well pleasing to him. Is there an area in your life where you don't demonstrate hesed? Is there areas where you're just so concerned about your own destiny, so concerned about your own retirement, that you're so focused upon your own needs that there's no room to take care of somebody else? And, and, and we don't want to follow the recipe to destruction, but we want, instead we should follow the, the, the recipe to Malkut, the recipe to kingship. And the recipe, the main ingredient to kingship is the ingredient of hesed.
Now, during these 49 days of destiny, during these 49 days of counting the Omer, these 49 days are 49 days of working on 49 permutations of, of, of character. And we work on seven primary character traits. We're not going to work on, we're not going to talk about those tonight, but I do want you to know the very first uh, attribute is known as Hesed, selfless loving kindness. And the final attribute is the attribute of Malkut, which is kingliness. So uh, through the study of Ruth and Abraham, we, we, we are studying basically from A to Z. You, uh, you, you, you work on Hesed, and as you perfect that and all the other five um, character traits in between, with every permutation, you get 49 uh, total character traits that you are gonna, you are going to walk into kingliness to Malkut in every area of your life. See, I don't want you to take this teaching and only apply it to your spiritual journey. I want you to apply it to your emotional journey. I want you to apply it to your physical journey. I want you to apply it to your own personal life as well in everything that you do. The way you raise your kids, the way you work on your careers, and all that you do, I encourage every one of you, one of you to take everything in your life to the level of Malkut, and especially in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I'm going to contrast Abraham with Elimelech for a second. When Elimelech descended into Moab, and whenever you leave a place of high spirituality to a place of lower spirituality, it, even the journey physically is a, place, is a journey of descending. So Elimelech descended in, into Moab, but he had no intention of returning. In contrast, Abraham, his ancestor, the founder of the Jewish faith, Abraham descended into Egypt during a time of famine. But, but one of the differences, Abraham had no intention of remaining in Egypt. He only went down into Egypt for a short period of time and and when he descended into Egypt, he did not only take he did not only take his immediate family, but he took all the souls that he had gathered. So there were probably, there were many 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 people that went with Abram, and after that journey was complete, they returned back to the Holy Land. So that's one of the big differences between Abram and Elimelech. And Abram was concerned about all of his countrymen. In contrast, Elimelech only cared about his own family, his own immediate family. And what takes place in the hearts of your people when you abandon your people? Let's say there's a pastor that you highly respect. Let's say you're in a congregation where you so honor and respect your leader. Or whether you work for a company where you're just so honor, you so respect your CEO. And how, do you, how would you feel if your CEO or your pastor, your rabbi, or whoever your leader is abandons you? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't your hearts feel deflated? Wouldn't you feel rejected? Wouldn't you feel hurt? And that's exactly what happened to the Israelites, especially in the region of Bethlehem, Judah. They, I mean, they were so hurt when their leaders abandoned them. And that's another reason why God judged Elimelech and the sons so, so heavily. And in fact, Naomi, I mean, Elimelech was a great man. He was a, he was a great leader. And I, and I truly believed if, if, he, if he would have remained and, and, and obeyed God in this test and, and taken care of his people during a time of famine, you know, not only providing financial support, but also providing emotional and spiritual support to his people, I truly believe that Elimelech would have become 
the first king of Israel and that he would have fulfilled his calling in God of let kingship come to me. And Naomi was, was a tremendous woman, a tremendous woman of God. And Naomi was known for her generosity. Um, Naomi was known for lending her jewelry to the women that needed them for weddings and other events. Because she did not allow even the women of her town to be to be um, you know, you know to, to be shamed. So she would loan she would loan her own substance to other women, and 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 because she was such a, she was such an illustrious woman, such a woman of honor, such and, and so and so even with Naomi leaving, I mean that had a tremendous effect upon the women. And she was also blamed for not stopping Elimelech because so, uh, Naomi probably should have done more to stop Elimelech from, from, from abandoning the people. But even after Elimelech died, Naomi did not return back to Bethlehem, but she, she, she stayed behind. And then after 10 years, when her sons were struck dead with judgment from God, then, then Ruth begins the journey of repentance. And, and there, were, there were 12 stages of repentance that took place in her return back to Bethlehem. And in fact, she repented for her entire family. She repent, repented for Elimelech's sin. She repented for Melon and Kilion's sin. And 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 she 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 I mean and the girls, Naomi and Ruth. Ruth I'm sorry, the girls, Ruth and Orpah were tremendously affected by the character traits of their mother-in-law, or I should say their former mother-in-law, Naomi. And, 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 and they were ready to leave behind their, royal, their, their royalty, their royalty as daughters of King Eglon. They were willing to give all that up and become peasants and, and, and stay with Naomi and return back to Bethlehem, Judah with Naomi. But uh, Orpah, when she, when she realized what, what it would cost her, she turned her back and returned back to her homeland. Ruth knew how embarrassed Naomi would be. She knew how insulted uh, uh, Naomi would be, and she would not allow Ruth. She would Ruth would not allow Naomi to bear that embarrassment alone. And so she took responsibility for Naomi. See, I want you to imagine this for a second. Here were, were both uh, ten years prior. We have we have this uh, we, 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 we have this royal marriage between Elimelech and Naomi. And all the people of the town looked up to these leaders. And Boaz was seen as a, was a judge. And so all the people respected them and relied upon them for, for financial support, for emotional support, for spiritual support, um, even the support that Naomi that Naomi provided by loaning her jewelry to the women in need. And, and 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 during a time of famine, they abandoned their people. And then 10 years later, Naomi returns back to the very people that she and her husband and, and children abandoned. Can you imagine the mocking that Naomi experienced? I mean, and even when they returned, what's even more shocking is that Naomi returned with Ruth. And the understanding of the people at that time was that no Moabitess, no woman from the nation of Moab could become a convert to the Jewish faith because of the wickedness of the Moabites when the Israelites left Egypt. And so 
everyone is talking about Naomi. She is the shock. I mean, she is the talk of the town. Everybody is looking at her and everyone's whispering to the neighbor and saying, isn't that Naomi? Isn't that the woman that abandoned us? And, 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 I mean, I mean, so Naomi is completely humiliated. And Naomi is not defending herself. Naomi knows that her family has done a tremendous wrong. And so, so Naomi's on this death walk. But you know what? One thing, one thing so beautiful, one thing that, that's so beautiful about Naomi is that she's taking responsibility for her people. She's taking responsibility for her sins. She's taking responsibility for her sons. She's taking responsibility for, for her, her deceased husband. And in addition, she's willing to bring Ruth along with her. And the way Ruth reciprocates is so incredible that Ruth does not want Naomi to bear any amount of shame. And, and that's why Ruth volunteers that you stay here, mother. I will go out into the fields and I will perform the shameful act of, of, of acting like a poor person, like a pauper. And I will go out and, and, and as the, the laws of Torah permit, I will, go in, I will go and glean in the field after the shearers. And, 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 and I'll gather the leket and I'll bring, I'll bring them back to you. But I will not allow you to bear the shame. I will bear the shame. See, look at who Ruth is. Ruth was a Moabitess princess. She was royalty. Can you imagine a royal giving up her status as a royal and, and, and becoming a peasant and taking care of her former mother-in-law, not her present mother-in-law, but her former mother-in-law. And all she cares about is performing the act of hesed, the act of selfless loving kindness. And it was that very act that made her worthy, worthy of Malkut, to make her worthy for kings to come through her bloodline. And in fact, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, came forth through this, this tremendous bloodline. Amen? And so there's, a, there's much more I want to share with you, but I'm going to save it for next Monday night at 6 p.m. Pacific Daylight Savings Time. But I'm going to go ahead and close here. And my prayer is that you, that you have received tremendous truths tonight, tremendous blessings tonight. And I pray that the Spirit of God is even speaking to you now. And I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit has, is falling upon, upon you right now. And Holy Spirit, I invite you just to invade every one of us, everyone that's willing tonight to receive this anointing, to receive this precious word, Lord God, that you will minister to your people tonight, Lord God. Lord, I ask you to minister to your people tonight, Lord God, that there'll be a tremendous anointing, Lord God, that will fall upon your people. A tremendous anointing will fall upon us tonight, Lord God. And that, Lord, even though this teaching may be brief, Lord God, that, Lord, I pray that it has made a tremendous impact upon everyone tonight, Father God, that every one of us will go on that journey, the journey from Hesed to Malkut. In Jesus' glorious name.